Joshua chapter 5 this morning. I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 1. The Word of God says, And it came to pass, when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was there any spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land, which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey." And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were circumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. It came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people, they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy." And Joshua did so. Let's pray together. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for another day, another opportunity. Lord, 2017, you've been so good to me and my family and our church. Lord, I just know that we can trust and commit ourselves to your providence. Lord, help us to be mindful to praise you for all that you've done. Help us to not be like the nine that run away, but help us to be like the one that turns back to glorify God and to praise Him for what differences He's made in our lives. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning, and I pray that you'd have your will and way with all that takes place. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Joshua chapter number 5 is a transitory time. It is transitional in the nation of Israel. They had went from being a family to being a body of slaves, then from being a body of slaves to being a nomadic traveling group of people. Now another transition is taking place in their life. They're about to go from being a... A, a, a nomadic, wandering people to being settled down and adopting an agricultural economy and way of life. Uh, they're getting ready for the first time in their history 
to build houses instead of tents, to build cities instead of dwelling in villages. And uh, it is a time of transition for the nation of Israel. And I want to preach for a little bit this morning on this thought, readying ourselves for a new land. You know, when I see the children of Israel in this passage, it sort of reminds me of you and I as we sit here today. Now, we're not dwelling in the land of Israel. We're not getting ready to go and uh, battle and uh, knock the walls of Jericho down. We're not getting ready to go and conquer throughout the land of Canaan. But there are some similarities between your life and mine today and the children of Israel at this time. I want to give you three of them just by way of introduction. Let me say that at this moment in the history of the nation of Israel, they were at the cusp of a new era. They were getting ready to step into a new day. And it reminds me of this time of year. Uh, we are getting ready to step into 2018. Now, uh, as we already mentioned, nothing's going to change. We understand that. It's like your birthday. You know, when you get up a certain age, people say, what does it feel like to be uh, 30 instead of 29? You say, well, it feels a day older. Amen. And uh, it, when they ask you, uh, what's it like now that you're there? Well, I don't know. It's like it's always been. Nothing changed but the calendar. But as uh, I want to remind you this morning that just as it was for them, it is for us that though nothing may be changing except the calendar date at this moment, that laying out in front of us is an entire year, by God's grace anyways, an entire year of challenges, of battles, of blessings, of ups, of downs, we are at the cusp of a new day as we stand here right now. No doubt you have on your mind what this next year is going to hold. Some of y'all have already may have started in the New Year resolutions. Those will be gone by February. Somebody say amen to that. <coughs> but we are thinking, forward thinking in the way we are perceiving things right now. We are ready for 2018, or at least we hope that we are. We are at the cusp of a new Era. But let me say, number two, they had a course set in front of them. They did not know at that moment. Now, we can look backwards through the, the historicity of the Word of God, and we can see the narrative, and we know what lay in front of them. They did not know what lay in front of them. But mark it down that there were certain things that did lay in front of them. In the same way, you don't know what 2018 is going to hold for you. You don't know what you'll experience. I promise you that if you could think back to this time last year, there are things that have occurred in your life that you could have never guessed would take place. There's probably people that are in your life today that you would have never known or never thought about a year ago. There may be people gone from your life today that you thought a year ago would be with you forever. There may be changes in your life that have taken place in the past year that you could have never imagined, but the God of glory knew that there was a course and a path set in front of you. And in the same way as you sit here today, the God that dwells outside of time has laid a path for you. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm telling you, 2018, I don't know what it's full of, but it's full of a lot of stuff. Amen? I don't know what it is, but there's a course in front of you. But then I want you to notice verse number one real quick. I want to make one final point before we preach. The Bible says, when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Now notice this, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Let me say they were at the cusp of a new era. They had a course that was set before them. But if I can say this without signing too much like one of them TV preachers, 
They had already conquered every enemy that was in front of them. You say, wait a minute, preacher. We read of AI and the defeat that took place. We read of other things that take place in the next year. That's true. But had they walked with God, there wasn't a single battle that they had to lose. They were already conquerors. God had already gone before them and melted the hearts and the spirits of their enemies. I'm telling you this, there's not a thing in 2018 that by God's grace and with God's strength that you cannot tackle, that you cannot face. The question is not whether you can handle what's coming down the road. The question is whether you'll lean on Him who sent it down the road and walk with God in this next year. I don't know what this next year holds, but I'll tell you this, it can hold us growing closer to God. It can hold us having a better testimony amongst the people around us. It can hold us drawing our kids closer to our hearts. And if our hearts are close to God's heart, then it ought to draw them close to God's heart. It can be a year full of victories because God has already gone before us. We just merely have to walk with Him. Now again, I'll remind you, the story of the nation of Israel does not unfold that cleanly. There were times they had sin in the camp. There were times uh, that they did not lean upon God. There were times that they tried to walk in their own course, in their own path, and they failed miserably. But every enemy they faced, God had already defeated them. The question was whether they'd walk with God. And I see in this passage that in light of these thoughts, there are three things they do before they ever fight the first battle. I don't know when your first battle is going to come. I had a call this morning uh, from uh, Bill and Kathy Collins. They uh, called me, and uh, I called them back, and they said, Listen, we just wanted to let you know we ain't going to be at church today. The house caught fire last night. And they're okay. Their house is fine and everything. But listen, you might fight a battle before this day's done. You don't know what's coming. I don't know when your first battle is. So we better take this opportunity now to ready ourselves before the battles start coming. I want you to notice three things that we need if we're going to be ready for the new land that we're walking into. Let me say number one this morning. We have to have the right consecration if we're going to be victorious in this next year. Now, we read a lot in this passage, and you'll notice one word kept popping up over and over and over and over again. And it was the word circumcise, circumcision, circumcising. And over and over and over again you saw that word. Uh, you may say, preacher, why was God making such a big deal? Well, circumcision in the Word of God is picturesque of the covenant relationship that the Jewish people had with God. And it represents the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It represents their separation, sanctification, consecration unto God. In other words, it represents the holiness of their life. And the Bible says that God commanded Joshua to circumcise the children of Israel that had been born in the wilderness that had not been circumcised when they left Egypt. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with me? Uh, What does this uh, apply to my life? Let me say, number one, I want you to notice there was a clinging reproach to the children of Israel as they were getting ready to go in the new land. See, they had all been circumcised, but there was some born in the wilderness that had not yet been circumcised. You know what I would guess this morning? I would guess this, that probably there's some folks in this room that there's been some things born in your life over this past year that you've not took care of, that you've not asked God's forgiveness of, that you've not dealt with yet. Let me say this to you this morning. You don't have to go into 2018 with any sin clinging to your back. 
We have a God that desires to forgive us and restore us. But if you're like most people, there are some things that have happened in this past year, maybe some sins, maybe some discouragement, maybe some baggage, some things that have come into your life that you're still clinging on to. And if you're not careful, you'll drag that thing into the new land and it'll weigh you down. And you won't walk with God the way that you should. Hey, anybody that needs forgiveness that you ain't forgiven yet? Any sin in your life that you've not asked God's forgiveness of yet? Any bitterness still clinging to you? We see later on, and we'll get to it and preach on it, but the Lord says that it's a reproach. What does that mean? It means it's a stain on your life. That's what the word reproach means. It literally means a stain, a mark, a scar. What he's saying is this. When you walk into this new land, they're going to know some of y'all came out of Egypt. I wonder, as we walk into this new year, if people can look at our lives and tell that our lives are not in harmony with God. I wonder if they can look at our lives. I wonder if we'll carry anything negative, anything sinful, anything wicked into this new land. There was a clinging reproach. But let me say number two, there was a commanded remedy. God says to Joshua, you know what you do with those that have not been circumcised? You make sharp knives and you circumcise them. In other words, God says this, you get rid of it. Preacher, what do I do? You ask God's forgiveness of it. You repent of it. Somebody ain't forgiven, you go to them, you tell them you love them, you forgive them. Somebody that you need forgiveness from, you go to them and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Maybe I did mean to offend you, but I'm sorry now, and I need your forgiveness. I need our, our communion and fellowship restored. Hey, listen, whatever that thing is that's clinging, get rid of it right now. Right now. This is your last opportunity. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all be back tonight, I hope. Amen. But some of y'all, I ain't blind, amen? I, I know who shows up and who don't. Some of y'all, this will be the last sermon you hear before you roll into 2018. I know that. Some of y'all, this will be the last invitation you're a part of. You really want to carry that thing into the next year? God says, get rid of it. Cut it off. Don't take it with you. But then I want you to notice, I like this, man. There's a comprehensive removal. Notice what the Lord says in verses 8 and 9. It says, And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day, this day, have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. In other words, it wasn't an installment plan. In other words, it wasn't a probationary period. In other words, it wasn't just a resolution. Somebody say amen to that. God said in this moment... The reproach of Egypt has been lifted off of you because they were willing to turn to God and to forsake it and to get rid of it. The truth is this. You don't have to go into this next year with any of that hanging on you unless you want to. Today, in this moment, I'm talking right now while I'm preaching, if you'll bow your heart to God and ask His forgiveness, He'll cleanse you of it. He'll wash you of it. He'll take it away. He'll separate it from you. But only you can make that decision. We need to come in with the right consecration. Let me give you a second thought this morning. We need to come into the new land with the right confidence. Now, the Bible says the next thing they did. Look at it, verse number 11, or verse number 10. The Bible says, The children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan 
that year. Now, here's an important question that has to be asked of the nation of Israel as they are going into this new land. What are you going to eat? You see, we live in a day where you've got an Arby's on every corner. We live in a day where if you can't uh, feed yourself, somebody will come along and feed you for the most part. Uh, I, listen, I was seeing a billboard the other day, uh, and it said, now, stop and think about this. Words matter. Somebody say amen to that. I, I saw this billboard. It said, in childhood hunger. And I thought, well, boy, that's a strange way to put it. We ain't never going to end childhood hunger. I can feed my boy right now, and in 20 minutes, he's going to say, Daddy, I'm hungry. Amen? I hope we can end childhood starvation. I hope we can end childhood malnutrition. But I'm sorry, anybody that's raised kids knows you ain't, and especially once they get teenagers, you ain't never going to end hunger. Amen? We're always going to be hungry. The question that has to be asked of them is, what are they going to eat? How are they going to live and survive in the new land that they are heading into? And you know what? Some of you are asking the same question. You're not asking about the food you're going to eat. You're not asking about the roof over your head. But you are asking things like this. How am I ever going to be faithful to God with my health in the shape it's in? How am I ever going to pay my bills and tithe with the things that I'm facing? How am I ever going to raise my kids for God's glory with the things that the world's putting on them? And you're looking into the new year fearful of how things are going to turn out. I want you to notice they ate three different things here. I don't know if you noticed it. But I think it's pretty concise and comprehensive. I want you to notice the first thing they ate was the manna when they kept the Passover. Look at it again, verse 10. The Bible says the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover. Now, the Passover uh, had to be kept with unleavened bread. The only unleavened bread they had was the one that God dropped from heaven. Let me say, number one, there was a testimony of a past supply here. They were reminded when they kept that Passover that God that had brought them out of Egypt had brought them into the new land, that God had fed them every step of the way, literally in the most miraculous of terms. God had dropped food from heaven, angels' food, the psalmist calls it. They didn't even know what to call it, so they called it manna. You know what manna means? It means what is it? Amen? Uh, Some of you all sat down at some dinner tables and thought the same thing, I'm sure. They said, we don't even know what to call it. So we'll call it manna. And when they kept that Passover, they were reminded that God had literally made a table for them in the wilderness and had fed them every step of the way. Can I say this to those of you that are fearful at the new land that we're walking into, that if you'll just stop and take stock of everything God's done over the past year, you'll be reminded that God walks with His people He meets their needs. He literally drops bread from heaven. He prepares a table in the wilderness where no other man can. You can probably look back over your life. If you just take inventory, if you'd start to count your blessings, no telling how many miracles God has performed in 2017, no telling how many things God has done in 2017, no telling how many bills He's paid, no telling how many sicknesses He's delivered you from, no telling how many things God's done for you. Don't forget to look back at what God has done. There was a testimony of a past supply. Then I want you to notice there was a taste of a present supply. The Bible says they ate the old corn of the land. Say, preacher, what does that tell them? It tells them that there's food grows where they're at. And it tells them that the God, by the way, you know it's God that gives life to all things. And he doesn't give the same kind of life to an ear of corn that he gives to a human being. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. The corn wouldn't grow if God didn't let it. And you know what it told him? It told him that God was already working in that place. 
They hadn't come into a place where God hadn't been yet. They hadn't come into a place where God couldn't work and couldn't move. Listen, I don't know what you're facing in this year, and you don't know what you're facing, but I know this, there's nothing you're facing that's bigger than what God can handle. There's nothing that you're coming into, but what God is already working His will. We're not waiting for God to show up. God has already showed up, done His job, and left. Amen? He's already done the work. And when they ate of the old corn, they were reminded that God was already working. They weren't waiting for God to work. God was already working in that place. But then here's where things got down to rubber meeting the road. I want you to notice there had to be a transition to a promise supply. God had promised them all through their wilderness wanderings that He was taking them to a land of what? Two things. What was He taking them to? A land of, tell me, of milk and honey. Whenever uh, the uh, spies went out and spied out the wilderness, they came back and there was uh, ten of them said, Did you see those giants? And there was two of them said, Yeah, but did you see them grapes? Amen. They came and it took two of them to bear up that vine and they were as big, I mean, I'm talking, listen, hey, a place with giants, they need a big food, amen? And God had brought them to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty and a land of provision. But they had to be willing to trust God and go into that land. You know, the Bible says the manna ceased when they ate of that old corn. Now, I don't know how you'd be, but I think I know how I'd be. If I had literally walked with God for 40 years and every day that I woke up, there was manna scattered all over the ground and I'd literally go out and pick up angels' food off the ground and fill my bag with it and take it home and eat and provide for my family. And that had been their way of life for 40 years. But they walk into this new land and you know what happens? They go out one day and there ain't no manna. The manna has ceased. I don't know what you'd do, but I'd probably turn around and head back to the wilderness. That's the truth. I'd say, we've done messed up, folks. We've done messed up. What have we done? The manna has ceased. And they had a choice. It looked like God had stopped providing. But the truth is, what God had provided was ahead of them, not behind them. The manna wouldn't have started falling if they had gone backwards. They would have just starved to death. You know, I found this. In the Christian walk, there's only wilderness behind us and there's only Canaan in front of us. There's no going backward in this thing. To go backward is to dwindle, to diminish, to die, to starve, spiritually speaking. We can only march forward on the path God set for us. And because of that, we walk not by sight, but by faith. The things God has for you are out in front of you. They're not behind you. And we have to move forward in faith, trusting God. Listen, I don't know what this year holds, but I know this, God holds this year. I don't know what you're going to face, but I know God is going to face it with you. I don't know what God is going to use to provide for you, but I know He knows how He's going to do it. They had to transition to this promised supply. They had to eat the new fruit of the land. Let me give you one final thing, and I'm done this morning. We see in this passage they had to have the right consecration. They had to be circumcised, those that hadn't been. They had to put away the filth of the flesh before they could go into the new land. They had to have the right confidence. They had to quit depending on the manna and start looking to the new fruit. Then I want you to notice, and we're done. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, 
and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? As we go into a new land, we need to have the right consecration and the right confidence. But you better believe that we need the right captain as we go into this next land. Joshua is standing beside Jericho. He knows Jericho is the first battle. And he is readying his troops, and he does not know yet what God's plan is. But as he waits on God to show up, this man appears on the hillside. Now we understand before it's all said and done that this is no man, and this is no angel, but this is the very Son of God. Preacher, how do you know that? Well, look what it says in verse number 15, uh, or excuse me, verse number 14. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. Every time in the Bible that somebody tried to worship an angel, they wouldn't let them. Every time they tried to fall down before an angel, they'd say, Get up, I'm a servant just like you. The same thing, by the way, happened to John on the Isle of Patmos. John did the same thing that everybody did. He fell down, he tried to worship, and he said, Get up, I'm thy brethren. I'm like the prophets. But this man, you know what he does? He accepts the worship. You know what that tells us? That tells us he's worthy of the worship. And there's only one that's worthy of the worship. So this is what we theologically, we like to call a theophany or a Christophany. This is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he appears to Joshua on the hillside. And the name that he gives himself, he tells him that he is the captain of the host of the Lord. I want you to notice three simple thoughts. First, notice what Joshua says to him when he sees him. We see a salutation of pride here. Joshua did what most military men would have done. Here he is. His soldiers are camped down below him. He's by himself. He does not know who this person is. It could be somebody from Jericho. It could be from a neighboring area. And so he asks him this question. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And you know what the Lord answers back? He says, no. In other words, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I ain't for you, and I ain't for your adversaries. I'm above you. You know, Joshua asked the same question a lot of us are asking as we come into 2018. We're looking to a sovereign, thrice-holy God, and we're saying, Lord, are you for me or are you against me? And that's how we think of things. We have our plans, we have our ideas, we have our desires, and we want to know if God's going to get in our way or get out of our way before we come into this next year. You know, a lot of times that's what we mean when we pray. A lot of times when we pray, we ain't looking for God's will. We're looking for God to sign off and rubber stamp what we want. And that's part of the reason that a lot of times folks get so mixed up with things. that Listen, they, they don't really desire what God wants for them. I wonder, is there anything in your life that God, if He asked for you, would tell Him no? He says, are you for me or are you against me? And so many of us are asking God the same thing. Lord, this is my plan. This is my desire. This is what I'm going to do. Are you going to get on board or are you going to stay out of my way and let me do it? And you know what the Lord says? He says, no. I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I'm above you. He says he's captain of the host of the Lord. Now, when you read that, no doubt you have lofty ideas. You think, oh, he's saying that there's a whole army of angels that are surrounding, and he's the captain of it. I don't think that's what he was getting at. 
See, the, the name Lord, that's Jehovah. That's the national name of God to Israel. That's how Israel knew Him as Jehovah. And they were the army of Israel. And here's what I think he was saying. I think he was saying, Joshua, that army down there, that's not your army, that's my army. That sword that you're holding, that's not your sword, that's my sword. That city over there, that's not your spoil, that's not your victory, that's my victory. Joshua, the question is not whether I'm going to get out of the way, the question is whether you're going to get out of the way. And let me lead this army. He had to have the right position, and we see a surrendered position here. Joshua's a little thick, you know. Uh, he was, he was. Later on when they are defeated uh, by Ai, I mean, it, it takes like 30 minutes for God to get his attention. Joshua comes before the Lord and he says, Oh, Lord, why have you forsaken us? Why have you done? Why have you this? Why have you that? And the Lord says, Joshua, get up! There's sin in the camp. Joshua's still talking. The Lord's trying to get his attention. Joshua's a little thick sometimes, like me, amen? But once he realizes what's going on, he falls on his face And he says, all right, Lord, it's your army. It's your battle. I'm not the captain. I'm just a foot soldier. Lord, lead us. Because only by your leading can we have victory. You know what some of us need more than anything? We need to give up the reins. You know what some of us need more than anything? We need to give up the sword. We need to let the Lord be the captain of this thing. Some of you, the reason you're terrified coming into this next year is because you won't let go of it and let God have His way. Some of you, the things you're dragging behind you into this next new year, you're doing it because you won't let go and let God have His way. I'm telling you, you're going to make a mess of 2018 unless you can learn to let God be God and let you be the servant He's called you to be. There's no authority in the life of the believer that is to ever be surrendered to anyone but Christ. If anybody and anything's running us but Him, then He's not running us. And in your life, I wonder if there's some area that you're still trying to hold on and you're still trying to keep the reins. Joshua, he bows before Him and he worships Him. And I want you to notice this and I'm done. Look what the Lord says. The captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. We see a salutation of pride. Are you for us or for our adversaries? The Lord says, no. I'm not for you or against you. I'm above you. This is my army. And so we see a surrender of position. Joshua says, okay, Lord, you're Lord. I'll let you lead. And once that happens, you know what Joshua learns? He learns that he's on a sanctified path where God is already working. And if he'll just let God be God, then God will get the victory. This is not by accident, by the way. The last time in your Bible that you find someone standing on holy ground unawares was when Joshua's mentor Moses stood before a burning bush. And God spoke unto him and said, Moses, loose your shoes from off your feet. You're on holy ground. God commissioned Moses to go into Egypt. And by the might and power of God, a world empire was brought to its knees because one man obeyed God. And now Joshua is standing on the same ground, many hundreds of miles away, but wherever God is, hey, it's holy ground. And he learns that God has big plans for his life 
if he'll just surrender and let God be God. Right now, you stand at the cusp of a new land. You have an entire, unblemished, unspotted, clean 2018 in front of you. And you'll decide today what you want to do with it. You'll decide now whether you want to live it for the glory of God or for the indulgence of self. Go into 2018 with the right consecration. If there's anything in your life, don't let it follow you into a new land. Ask God's forgiveness. Ask God to cleanse it. God will forgive you right now, today, and you can start this new year in fellowship with Him. Start 2018 with the right confidence. Hey, God ain't let you down in the past 365 days. He ain't going to let you down in the next 365 days. Trust God. Hey, look at that manna that He's provided for you. Taste of that corn where He's already working and trust in the fruit of the new land that God will provide for you. And you need to come into this year with the right captain. You know, you can have everything else right and still be in abject rebellion against God. You can have everything right, but if you won't take your hands off the wheel and let God be God, then you'll wreck your life. You have to decide that you're going to surrender your heart and mind and steps to God today. But if you'll do that, I believe you can ready yourself for this land that we're headed into.